The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode 5 of On The List. It is August 9th, and I am your host, Austin Bristow II, joined tonight by Adam Garland. Adam, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you? I am fantastic. Hey, thanks for coming on. Glad to have you on. Happy to be here. It's an honor. All right. So for those of you who haven't joined us yet, this is On The List, our pitchless podcast where we like to give our writers a place where they can show us a bit of their personality so that you, our readers and our listeners, can get to know a bit of the, you know, the personality behind the words on the screen. So each week I'll have a different different staff member from Pitcher List. We'll talk about baseball. We'll discuss what they've been writing recently. And we like to do a bit of a mailbag session where we can answer your questions on the air. So you can send those questions to us by email at community at PitcherList.com or send them directly to me on Twitter. My handle is at Bristowski. Adam, are you on Twitter? Uh, I'm actually um, slightly on Twitter. I'm I'm there. I'm there, but I'm not fully engaged with it all the time. Um, Fair enough. If you'd like to give out your uh, sort of handle there, go ahead. I believe it's just at uh, Garlando, so it's n- not nothing too crazy. Fantastic. Um, you know, that's pretty similar to how mine works. It's like take your last name, throw a ex- few extra letters on the end there, and it's all set. I don't know about you, but um, that was sort of a nickname for me, so I just sort of roll with it for a bunch of things. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Brustowski is my username for everything. Um, it's actually got a little bit of history to it. Um, my like great, 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 however many grandfather um, was from Poland, came over to Ellis Island, actually. I was able to find some of the documents from Ellis Island. Oh, and, oh wow. Uh, so his name originally was Brastowski, and when he got there, um, he decided to Americanize it by dropping the ski and changing it to Bristow. So it's kind very of, interesting, isn't it? So I have had issues in my past where uh, people read my name for the first time and they assume it's Bristow. Um, I'm not calling out anyone specifically, Metzlar. Um But <laughs> yeah, so that's a fun time there. <laughs> I like it. But yeah, all right, so let's go ahead and get on into it. We're here so we can uh, get to know our writers, and tonight we're talking with you, man. So I like to 
start it off with you know an open-ended question here. So, just tell us about yourself. Uh, I gotta love the open uh, open questions. Um, well, yeah, my name's Adam. Um, so I, I, I'm Canadian. Uh, I grew up in Canada. Um, I'm a, a big sports fan. Love everything about sports, whether it's um, you know I, I grew up playing baseball. I grew up playing hockey. I grew up playing golf, but I love um, NBA and and the NFL as well. So I'm, I'm a big sports fan, um, and that's sort of been my passion outside of work. Uh, work-wise, I work in advertising. Um, I'm a market analyst. Um, but yeah, outside of my nine-to-five job, I'm, uh, I'm definitely a big sports fan. I've also got a puppy. Uh, his name's Jake. He's a little uh, Yorkie, um, as well as um, what's it called? Wiener dog. Oh. What's the official? What's uh, the official name for? Yeah, that's right. Oh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's pretty cute. I just his name is his name is Jake. If anyone's ever interested. Oh, I'm always interested in puppies. I just got done uh, dog sitting for my fiance's parents. Uh, they were out of town in Utah for the for a week or so, and uh, they've got two dogs there. There's a uh, she's a Shih Tzu mix and a Dachshund mix. Um, oh wow! And they were they were they were they were they were good boys. It was it was a, it was a good time. So that was that was fun. So glad you're glad you're they're do, you're doing well. Oh yeah, I'm having a great old time. I got to play with dogs. Uh, one of my best friends, who's going to be a groomsman in my wedding, he just got a dog, and I got to meet him last night. So I've got a lot of dogs in my life right now. I don't actually own one. I have a cat uh, that I he, that I love. He's ten years old. He's big and fat and lazy, and his name is kitten is no joke <laughs> that is his name that's, a, that's an amazing name you gotta love it <laughs> all right man so how many fantasy leagues do you play in and what is your favorite type of fantasy baseball league to play in whether it be you know points roto dynasty etc right now i'm actually in three leagues um so i'm in a uh, my homekeeper league is a league that um, i commission um it's just uh we keep our rule is we keep up to 12 players so you can keep less um and the idea is there's a little bit more roster turnover while being able to maintain the guys that you want to keep. Um, so I love that league. It's a lot of fun. It's a um, standard five by five scoring with um, head to head. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and I've played with these guys for a number of years now. So really enjoy that league. Uh, I'm also in another dynasty league. This was a fairly shallow one, um, but I love it. It's probably my home home league. I spent so much time on it. Um, I love it. It's a, uh, a uh, 12-team league. Um, we have a, a two-round prospect draft every year. Um, we just build from that. 25-man rosters. So there's there's always prospects to be had, whether it's on the wire or uh, in the offseason in the draft. So it's a lot of fun to, like, you got a whole year to think about what draft picks you're going to make. Um, but, but, again, got to love what the, what the league brings. There's so much. We played together, again, for a lot of years, so it's a lot of fun. We know each other's like tendencies and what we like to, how we like to bargain. So there's always that sort of, you know, camaraderie aspect to it that, that keeps me coming back. That's awesome. Uh, and then my, then my other dynasty league is a is a much bigger one. It's uh, I believe it's 14 teams now, um, but we have, um, I think it's 25 men, um, minor league roster, so it's very deep. So you have to know your prospects. Um, but yeah, we have a, a multi round. A prospect draft at the end of every year too so our, our thing is we can we can drop five players and then there's a five round draft at the end of every year so 
that's pretty cool too. That's a very interesting way to do it. I've not heard uh, a dynasty that functions like that. That's I like that like, though. It's kind of like a rule five idea. That's what we call it. Sure. Uh, it just keeps things interesting. So you can yes. drop like major league players too if you really want to. Huh. I like that. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not sure if you've listened and heard, but I I actually do play in one dynasty league. It's a is a 20 team league um, with 38 man rosters, mixed rosters, so you can put however. Well, I guess really 35 man, but we have plenty of DL spots. Anyway, it's complicated, I guess. Uh, 30, we'll say 35 man rosters. Um, you can mix it however many minor leaguers or major leaguers you want. You can. If you want to field a team of 35 minor leaguers, but good luck winning. Um, <laughs> but I, we actually had a team who straight out of the draft, they drafted a team of basically all prospects plus um, Madison Bumgarner, and then they traded basically all their prospects with some fantastic trades. They ended up getting Bryce Harper and um, um, I think they. They won one other big guy. Oh, uh, Mookie Betts. They got two like studs and then a bunch of other guys to fill out a roster, and they made a run at the um, playoffs right after the draft, after they had drafted a strictly prospect-heavy team. It was nuts. That's pretty amazing considering how they drafted. Yeah. Got to give that guy uh, a lot of credit. It was nuts. Uh, so that league, um, it's v- interesting, and I – I want to go into a bit more detail about our background, specifically in Dynasty Leagues, because, you know, you're our prospect guy. We're going to be talking prospects tonight. So um, I want to get at least both of our backgrounds here. Um, In this league, um, the acquisition of players is very, very interesting. I've never heard of any other league doing it like we do. But how it works is every week on Sunday, we have a one-round draft. Um, everyone gets 30 minutes to make their pick. If you miss your pick, there's two hours at the end of the night where you can have a makeup pick. Um, you can pick minor leaguers, you can pick major leaguers, whatever you need, um, as long as you stick within, you know, the roster constraints of the 35 man there. Um, and then, um, the trick is we're only allowed to own players that are in the ESPN player pool. Which means that at the beginning of the year, when we have our first uh, one-round draft before the season starts, that draft is so, so important because ESPN's recently updated their player pool and added a bunch of new prospects and other players. So we had a team last year who was tanking, and they ended up getting Shohei Otani at the beginning of this year. So um, we don't have like a proper prospect draft. But because we're constantly, slowly, slowly turning over our rosters, it's not as necessary there. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, now, I've actually learned a little bit about your league. Um, both you asked for a potential inquiry earlier this year, so I learned a little bit about it then. Uh, and then I've also been helping out um, one of the fellow um, <laughs> Discord members, um, one of the Patreon supporters of our site here, um, Joshua Botello. Uh, Hopefully I said his name right. I, um, but I think he's he's asking for some some advice on a, on a couple prospects. So um, yeah. again, I, I, I've gotten a, a basic idea of what's going on in that league. I would love to go on just another short tangent here. Um, so in our our uh, community Discord channel, which is something if you if any of our listeners are interested in, 
Uh, we have a community ch uh, server on Discord where you can have 24 access to all of our staff. Uh, we've got like 130 people in there now. We're just talking baseball 24-7 um, on that community channel. And we also have a separate channel just for prospects and dynasty chatter. Now, that's right. the thing about that is I did not know that that channel existed back when we were on Slack. We just recently moved over to Discord, uh, so I was automatically added like everyone else was. However, it was added after we had gotten into the whole Slack thing with the community whatnots. Um, and it was a thing where if you didn't see the invite, like everyone was invited, but if you didn't see and accept the invite, um, then, you you would, then you wouldn't know it was there. And I must have missed it. And no one ever talked about it in the community channel because it was just, you know, it's doing its own thing. It's its own separate thing. Now, Josh who is the guy, I am the commissioner of this 20-team dynasty league. I invited Josh to our join our league. Josh, an active member in that chat, told me that he purposely did not tell me about the chat because it was one competitive advantage that he could have over me. What a guy. <laughs> I don't blame him. I think I probably would have done the same thing. Josh, I love you. You're a, you're a total goof, and honestly... Props for the move. Uh, good on you, mate. Um, Michael Augustine, another of our writers, actually is also in that league. We had uh, we had a couple teams that uh, we needed replacement owners for, and I went to the community channel for it. Got a, so I got another writer, and I got Josh in as well, and they've both been doing a great job with their teams. So um, yeah, it's been a uh, it's been good in that league. So. I'm, I'm glad to hear the new spots worked out. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we've had some issues in the past. It's a, it's a young league. We're only in our second year now, but uh, we're it's starting to get to the point where we're getting a good crew in. So so important to have that. Like once you get to that third year mark, when everyone is established and um, you know there's that commitment level that's there, that's when things get really good. So I'm exactly. glad to you're getting to that point. I'm very excited to see what's in the future for our league. All right, sorry about that tangent, y'all. But uh, again, I do want to make sure that you guys understand um, where you know Adam and I are coming from as pro far as our prospect knowledge. Um, Adam is our prospect specialist uh, of sorts here at Pitcher List. He does all of our prospect reports. He does a weekly report there. You can you guys can check that out. Um, there was even some prospect rankings. You and oh gosh, the names escaping me. Who was who was helping you on that one? Brennan Gorman. He's yes, uh, he also Brennan. does a, a bunch of prospect work for us. Um, he does a weekly update on. Essentially, it's for redraft, but he talks about the the top ten stashes for both hitters and pitchers each week. He does one on Saturday and Sunday. Fantastic. Yes. Sorry about that, Brennan. I want to give you all the credit as well. Just slipped my mind there. What didn't make it in the notes? So I have to get Brennan on here as well sometime soon. He's so, a good dude. I like him. He's he's a good guy. He's also in our in uh, the Pitcherless staff league. You're going to have to get in on that one next year. Yeah, I missed out. I joined Pitcherless after you guys had started, so um, I missed out on that opportunity. But next year, perhaps. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. All right, so now that you guys have a basis of you know where we're coming from as far as that goes, let's uh, got a couple more questions here, then we'll get into those prospects. So, Adam, who is your favorite team, uh, and do you have a favorite all-time player? Yeah, for sure. Um, since I grew up in Canada, uh, I can't help but root for um, the Blue Jays. I grew up in the suburbs of, of Toronto, um, so they're my team. 
Um, also, kind of a fun fact, I was born the day the Jays won the World Series in 92, so that's always been, a, um, I don't know, a thing in my family. Wow. So the story is that uh, that my, well, my mom was in labor, my dad was peeking, peeking out, taking uh, looks at the TV as she was she was struggling, trying to make sure what the score was, so uh, it's something we can we joke about now. That's amazing, I love that. <laughs> oh. uh, and then all favorite all-time player um i have to go with craig biggio the former houston astro always loved him at second base um i just loved how he played the game um you know we'll played with the, we'll, we'll start with the, the batting just an amazing bat he could really run he had some power and he played with his heart on his sleeve so that was always something that i tried to bring to my playing days when i was playing baseball so um always admired his game yeah that's a. Uh... It's a fantastic player for to you know admire because like you said he plays with heart on his sleeve he's one of the you know grittiest guys out there that has really ever played the game. Uh, I was pretty uh, pretty pleased that he ended up making the Hall of Fame last year. That was pretty cool. Oh yeah, great speech too. I don't know if you were able to hear that. He did a great job on that one. So, I remember uh, reading it, but I don't remember the speech. But yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. All right, so outside of the baseball realm, we know you're uh, we know you're playing in a bunch of leagues. You used to play yourself, uh, and obviously you're writing for us. What do you do outside of the baseball realm? What what else do you like to do as far as you know hobbies, anything like that goes? Beyond that, uh, I'm really into spending time with family. Um, we often go to we have a family cottage that we go to, um, so we spend a lot of time at the lake and um, you know go swimming. And uh, we're very competitive as a family, so we play things like badminton and. Um, things, uh, it's a game called washer box and random things like that. Oh, that I know just, washer box. You know, washer box. No joke. The one where you're throwing it, uh, it's that these small wooden boxes, maybe about a foot, uh, square. Um, That's right. And you try to get it on the ring or in, or in the small rings there, get on the hook. That's right. You got it, man. Oh my God. My dad loves this game. Like, it's uh, it's definitely, that's amazing. Love that you know it. <laughs> there you go. It's just, this is what we get when you come on and listen to On The List, because you never know exactly what's going to happen. I did not know that this was going to be a thing we talk about tonight. <laughs> I love doing this. This is so much fun. I'm sorry. Keep on going. Uh, beyond that, uh, I used to play a lot of guitar in high school, and so I play a little bit now. Um and then, yeah, to spend time with my dog and um, watch sports. Pretty simple guy. I dig it. I think almost everyone on here that has been a guest so far, uh, my five guests so far, I think almost everyone has said that they either do or used to play guitar. Um, and almost everyone, if not everyone, used to play baseball, which I guess is not that's the second one isn't all that surprising. Um, Considering what we do, I'm not surprised. But yeah, I, I I said it before. I'll say it again. I think I might be the only guy in the pitcherless staff who didn't play baseball. <laughs> so, so it, am I allowed to ask you a question? Go for it. So, uh, if you didn't play baseball, how did you get so enthused about baseball? What was the what was the the calling card for you? Um, well, I got into it when I was about like 13 or 14. Um. And no joke, so my dad's been a huge fan his whole life. Um, he's a huge Braves fan, has been since they were the only team that was on TBS. Um, even growing up in central Illinois, it was always the Braves for him. Um, 
So he's always wanted me to be into baseball. So you know, that could be something we can share. Um, and I just wasn't all that interested in really any sports. I've never really followed any sports up to my up into my early teenage years. Um, just never really interested me. I was I did band and choir and things like that, and that was that was enough. I I enjoyed all that. Um, nice. But at, at the same time, I, I I figured you know. I'll give it a shot. And so the way I got into it was actually playing um, MLB The Show when I was, uh, you know, 13 years old. I went I went and I bought MLB The Show for the PlayStation 2. Um, and I just tried to figure it out. And I played it until I... I didn't understand the rules of baseball at the time. So I played it <laughs> until I understood the rules. Um, and then I started to uh, do like the, you know, dynasty sort of mode on there where you can start to get to know some of the other players that are actually in the league. I distinctly remember, oh gosh, when I was 13, that would have been around 09, 08 or so. I distinctly remember uh, Sean Figgins was really good. Um, <laughs> you could you could get... You could easily have him have a season with 60 stolen bases. Uh, he was so fast. So fast. Sean Figgins. Uh, blast from the past for those of you who remember his great playing days. Um, so I I got into that, and I actually used to be a Cubs fan. Because, um, like I said, I didn't really follow sports, but my and my dad, he decided... I'm his firstborn, so he's like, we're just gonna let him. We're gonna let him you know, find his way to being a Braves fan. I'm not gonna push it on him. I'm not gonna force him. <laughs> and then, because he did that, the babysitter, of course, brainwashed me into being a Cubs fan. Um, so it took me a while to, for him to actually transition and convert me back over to a Braves fan. I still love the Cubs. They're probably my second favorite team. Um, but yeah, after that, I got into more of the, you know, watching it and everything. And then my friend and I, in high school, we founded our own um, home league, our fantasy baseball league. Because I thought, you know what, I want to try out this fantasy baseball thing. And uh turned out, I really enjoyed it. It was just a simple league where we, uh, uh, it was just a points league where we had, originally it was only eight teams. We've just recently expanded to ten. So it's it's super, nice. it's super low-key, um, very fun. Um, I've only, we've been doing that since around 2012 or so. So this is, this is the seventh year now. Um, yeah, and then I got super into that i joined my dynasty league completely on a whim no not knowing anything about prospects at all and that was the cliff once i did that um it would have been two years ago now that was the cliff and i got really into it really 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 fast at that point and uh started i find that's i don't mean to interrupt but i don't mean to interrupt but that that's like generally the i find that's pretty common once people get into the dynasty man you get hooked because you just have to there's, there's a whole other element of strategy and you have to do your research um, to have that competitive advantage. So yeah, the dynasty um, for those of you who've never played dynasty, it is a whole nother beast. You have to have a whole nother level of commitment um, to just knowing what's going on in baseball. It's, it's hard, especially like, like I said, I have a deep league, 20 teams with 35 man rosters. We're, we're rostering 750 players it's it's a lot um and it can be it can be overwhelming i made so many terrible trades um what my, that first year when i was still trying to figure things out but 
now now I'm I rebuilt my team basically right out of the gate. I didn't like what I had drafted, so I ended up rebuilding right out of the gate. Uh, traded for guys like Labor Torres and um, Nick Senzel, and now my team is in sixth place, and I'm pushing for a playoff spot just a couple years later. Nice. Sounds like it's uh, it's really coming together for you. I'm about a year ahead of ahead of schedule. I feel like the actual Braves team. <laughs> I like it. It's great. All right, man. So let's go ahead and get on into this prospect talk. So I asked Adam here to come up with a few different prospects to talk about uh, for a few different categories. So uh, we're going to talk about guys who might have an impact in your redraft leagues, like for the rest of this year in 2018. Guys we should be looking at potentially to draft next year for 2019. Some upside plays or think guys who might be, you know, deeper down the line, maybe two, three years down the line that uh, could be uh, guys you want to pick up now in your dynasty leagues and guys that we think are going to bounce back. Maybe they're not having the best um, the best year this year, but uh, they could be good buy lows in your dynasty league over the offseason. So, Adam, I will let you lead it off here with our with your uh, redraft guy. So I'm going to lead off with uh, a guy that's probably an unconventional pick, but I actually think there's a decent chance that he's called up just based on the team needs. But I think Jesus Lazardo of the Oakland A's organization is probably a guy that, you know, there's probably a 50 to 60% chance he's called up just based on what they need. So this is uh, the Oakland A's are a team that's in contention for a second wild card spot. They, they desperately need pitching, and he's probably – you know, he's easily one of their top five starters within the organization. He just got called up to AAA. Um, he had an excellent first start. Um, I think he went like five or six innings without giving up a run while striking out. Let me look really quickly. I think it was, yeah, five innings without giving up a run, six strikeouts in his first AAA start as a 20-year-old. That's damn impressive. Um, I just feel like they can slot him in at the back of the rotation um, come September, and you can give them a little bit of a playoff push. Um, and potentially help them if they made the playoffs. Like that's he's probably one of their top three starters, and if he gets an opportunity, I think he'll run with it. So um, it's, there's definitely a chance that he doesn't get there, and it probably, um, you know, it's probably fifty-fifty-ish. But I also heard that their their GM made a comment saying that things could change um, in regards to their timeline with them come September. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if they called them up. Sure, sure, and they've been a. Uh... Like the Braves and the Phillies, they've been a very surprising team this year, and now they're in line to get that wild card spot. So it would not surprise me if uh, Billy Bean over there is looking to make the move and bring him up if he, that he thinks that they that uh, Zardo there can help them get that spot. I went with the more conventional pick. Um, I I'm gonna be honest. I was a bit at a loss as far as like finding some interesting guy to bring up here. So I went with the not interesting guy. I went with Eloy Jimenez. Uh, it's, you know, I think I described him before the pod to you as low-hanging fruit. Um, <laughs> but I mean, what more does he have to do? He's hitting 376 uh, with eight home runs in only 29 games at AAA. I don't. It's I, un- I don't know what more he has to do. It's unbelievable. Um, he really is one of the best prospects in baseball and honestly if you're gonna invest in a guy for next year anyone who's playing redraft and you want to get a rookie for next year he's probably him and vladimir guerrero jr are probably the two guys that you need to roster um he's just 
a special player. Um, I, my only uh, concern about this year is that the White Sox are pretty terrible, and so there's not a whole lot of incentive for them to call Eloy Jimenez up uh, and waste a year of service time. They can conceivably waste. Um, they can wait till next year to call him up and, and get the full um, seven years that they can get out of him. Essentially, it's six, but if you call a guy up, I'll, uh, you know, Chris Bryant and Ronald Acuna. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get that extra year of service time and essentially get them for seven years rather than than six. Or if you called them up this year, he's, you're probably looking at him, you know, five and whatever he gets out of. Um, I guess it's five plus this year. So um, there's value in waiting till next year, and so that's the concern. Yeah. But I, I definitely agree with you that his his talent level is is elite, and if he comes up, boy, go grab him. All right, what do you think, uh, scale 1 to 10, how likely is it that Lazardo is called up and makes an, makes an impact and is a guy you will be picking up in 12-team leagues before the end of 2018? Before this season, um, I, I'd probably put it, honestly, it's 50-50. Okay. I really think that, that the, the situation makes a lot of sense for Lazardo, and I think that he's, his talent level dictates that he should be one of the top five starters and probably is one of their top three starters in the Oakland A's organization. They're just, it, it would be a definitely a, a fairly rushed move, though, to be fair. But Sure. All right, same question for Eloy. Skill 110, what's the likelihood he's picked up and makes a difference in 12-team leagues this year? I, I, honestly, I don't know. I had this conversation with someone earlier today, and I think from a, a logical perspective, they should probably wait. There's no incentive for them to call him up, but they really haven't managed expectations in terms of call up for for Eloy very well, so it would not surprise me if like next week all of a sudden he's getting the call. Um, so, gotta have honestly, a number, man. Scale of one to ten. Honestly, I'd probably put it at a four out of ten. Okay. That, that, that he's likely to come up. Okay, that's more optimistic than I would be. I was gonna say like two or three, but hey, I could see it going either way, like you said. All right, so I'll go ahead with my guy for next year. Um, and I'm going to go with Nick Senzel. Um, this is a guy, he's a third base prospect for the Cincinnati Reds. And he's a guy that was set to come up th- and make a difference this year until he was injured and was out for the season. I'm trying to find, I should have this. What was his injury? Uh, was it? I believe it was with his hand. I think you're right. Yeah, um, it was like it was like a it was like a finger or something. Yeah, he had to have surgery uh, to repair a ligament there. Um, so he's 23 years old, and he has been the Reds' top prospect for a, for a few years now. He was a high draft pick uh, in 2016, and out of college, has made his way through their system very quickly. Um, in 44 games at AAA this year, he was hitting 310 with six home runs. Um, he's striking out about a 20% rate, which is a little concerning, but he is walking at a, about a 10% rate. So honest, overall, I am very excited to see what he, he can do. I think uh, given a full season of at-bats, I think uh, Senzel could be a guy who will, uh, who will give you maybe you know, double-digit homers and double-digit steals. He's been He's shown that he has some willingness to run, and if the Reds are going to let him, then... That could be a little extra value there. The only thing I'm worried about is where is he going to play? Because he's a third third base by trade, but Eugenio Suarez has got that locked down for the foreseeable future. 
Um, I know he has taken some reps at both second and short, um, but now with Scooter Jeanette looking good and even uh, Jose Peraza's coming around, I'm my only concern is where is he going to play? I know they'll find a spot for him because he's too talented not to. Uh, what are your thoughts on Senzel? I love Senzel. Um, I generally have been comparing him to like an Alex Bregman type where he can give you production across the board. And that's so valuable. That's a that's a top 50 player um, when you can contribute in batting average, home runs, and stolen bases. That's a that's a valuable player. Um, my concern is he gets the ball on the ground a fair bit. Um, there was a 50% ground ball rate at, at AA, so that that definitely is impacting his his power output. But um, guys that have his sort of hit tool generally, you know, max out their their power their raw power, their, their game power. Um, and I think he should be able to hit, you know, 20 home runs. I think I hadn't projected him for projected for about 23 home runs, uh, is like a rough prime projection. And so when you add that in with, I think he's got like what 14 steals in, in half a season, you know, you might have a 2020 guy, um, in the majors that hits, you know, 280. That's a valuable player. Absolutely. Um, I love those like, We'll talk about this a little later, but I love the uh, high floor guys for prospects. Um, one other guy that I picked up in that dynasty league when I was rebuilding was Andrew Benintendi, um, whose floor has gone way higher in the this year. But I love those guys who will give you a little bit across the board and have that solid hit tool to fall back on. Love those guys too, and those guys. That's um, I think one of the later questions. I'll sort of get into it, but. Um, generally, those guys with those very good hit tools, um, they're able to impact the ball in ways that guys with lesser hit tools just can't. And so you've seen guys like Jose Ramirez, who is not a big dude. He's like five, five foot nine, what, you know, 190 or something like that. Something he's, like that yeah. he's got like 28 home runs or something, maybe 30 now. I forget oh, no, what he's at now. It's 32. Thank you very much. He is, Jose Ramirez is the league leader in the MLB in home runs. I think JD Martinez hit another one tonight. Oh, that come might on, be uh, messing me up here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, my point is though that those those guys that have really good hit tools generally outperform their you know basic raw power numbers. So those are the guys that you want to bet on. All right, so who's your guy? You got gotta give it to me here. You know, as as a Blue Jays fan, who are you going with for next year? I had to go with the obvious. Um, I also wrote about him earlier this year, but the obvious is, is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We're all waiting for it to happen. Um, and I, honestly, as a, as a Blue Jays fan and as a prospect fan, I just can't wait to see what he does at the majors. Um, just for reference, he's, he's 19, and he's got a 405 uh, batting average, a 461 on base. Um, yeah, guys at this age just don't put up those numbers. Guys just don't put up those numbers ever. This is uh, this is unbelievable, and it really he might be the best hitting prospect we've ever seen. So um, is, I can't wait. To... Is his ceiling comp like his major league comp? Would it be? Is it Joe, like Joey Votto? I, I'm not sure that he walks quite enough to, to be Joey Votto, but like that's the sort of you know ceiling that we are talking about. It's the Joey Votto's, it's the Miguel Cabrera's, it's the Albert Pujols's. It's the elite of the elite. Uh, I think I saw Baseball America slapped in potential 80-80 um, in terms of hit and power grade on him this week. 
And so for reference, the, the scouting grades are 20 to 80, with 20 being the, uh, the low end and 80 being the high end. So they just, they just put him at the top end of both. That's a special player. No one has ever received both. That's that's insane. I'm, I pulled up his numbers here because I haven't. It, at some point, you gotta just stop paying attention because you know it's all going to impress you. Um, so he just got the call up to AAA a few like a few days ago. About last week it was. He's played eight games there. In those eight games, he's hit a home run already. He's batting four fifty five and has a twenty six percent walk rate. I know it's only eight games, but like, what? Look at that that walk to strikeout ratio. He's got eight walks against two strikeouts as a nineteen year old in AAA. Like like his age contemporaries are playing rookie ball right now. It's amazing, honestly. I what more can you, okay okay. So these are guys for next year. I was going to say, what more can you say? But I know what we can say. Where do you think these guys will go in drafts next year? Um, you think, so if we assume, you know, round a 12-team league, what round-ish do you think we can see both Senzel and um, Guerrero getting drafted? Go with Guerrero first. He's a more interesting one. Well, I like to think about it in terms of, like, I, I want to say 20 pick blocks. Sure. Um, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, so I think Guerrero Jr. is going to get hyped like crazy for next year. He's going to be the, the it boy. Um, he's going to be the Ronald Acuna of, of this coming year. And I could even might even guess he, he could have a higher overall ceiling because he has that name, because his dad has that legacy. People know of him, right? It's not like you. he's you know a nobody. Um, so I can see him going and like, I want to say that the 60 to 80 range, like bordering top 50 in redraft. And that's, that's coming as a, he'll be a 20 year old, just turned 20 year old rookie yeah. um, entering the year. That's nuts. I, and remember, I, think Eagle- I remember in the preseason, um, everyone was hyping Ronald Acuna as the best prospect we've seen since Chris Bryant. And now we've got next year, we're going to have, or we'll be waiting on Eloy and, um, Vlad here, and so what are we gonna say? The best, pro- best, best prospect we've seen since Ron Lacuna, or is it? It I, both of them might be better. And I don't. To be fair, I don't think we've seen Acuna's ceiling or even close to that yet. Um, I agree. I think he's a guy that could get even better. And honestly. He's got a little bit of post-hype sleeper going on right now. I know most leagues have got their uh, your trading deadline has passed, but he's a guy in Dynasty that if you can somehow you're you're not going to get him on the cheap because he's a super prospect that's you know 21 years old or something like that. So you can't get him on the cheap, but if you can get him for a reasonable rate, he might be someone that I would still be acquiring. I really agree. Uh, I own him in my home um, keeper league, and it would take a, a lot to get the prime from my hands. Uh, but I also realize that he hasn't had like quite met expectations this year. And so, if if there's an owner that lacks patience, you might be able to get him at like a somewhat decent price. Yeah. Um, so he might be a guy that's worth inquiring on for sure. Sure. How about uh, Senzel? Real quick here. Where do you well, 
where do you think he's going to be taken, if at all, next year? I think he'll be towards the. Um, just depends on like, I don't. I think your point about where he's going to play is the concern, um, and so I think that may impact his overall ADP, and I think he may be after two hundred. Um, but it just depends on how soon people think he can get there. I agree. Um, I think it's a lot's going to depend on what we hear from Cincinnati um, as far as what they think their timeline is for him. Because the weird thing is they don't really need him right now. And I don't know where he's going to play. So we'll see. Uh, and a lot's going to depend, you know, on what we hear in the offseason, all the hype and everything that goes on with draft season. But uh, it is kind of fun to think about and kind of project where we're going to go from there. I was going to say the reports I've heard um, suggest that he may be the, the starting shortstop by next year. And so that uh, the idea is to move Billy Hamilton and then move Jose Peraza to potentially center field where he's played before and then have Senzel play at shortstop and have Scooter Jeanette at second and Eugenio Suarez at third. So mm. if, he, if he gets shortstop eligibility and, and you know there's an open spot for him, you know, his ADP might start to rise really quickly next year. I dig that, especially because, like I said, I own him in that dynasty. And uh, with Glaber Torres losing his shortstop eligibility, that could be very nice for me. All right. keep, keep that in the back of your mind, for sure. I, I will. All right, so go ahead with your, your upside play or deep, deep down the line guy. I'll admit, I have not heard of this guy, so tell me about him. Um, so my upside pick is Davey Garcia. Uh, he's a, a starting pitcher in the New York Yankees system. Uh, he's honestly one of my favorite pitchers in the minors right now. Um, he's a small guy. I believe he's only 5'9". Um, he's pretty tiny. He's like 165. So there's a lot of projection left, but he's also, um, you know, he's small. So, like, there's always that concern about the workload in terms of can he handle a starter's workload at that size. Um, but, yeah, the things I love about him, he's got – a big fastball. I think he's like 95. Uh, and then he also has um, one of the best curveballs in the minors. Honestly, his, his curveball spin rate, um, people talk about it all the time. It's over 3,000 uh, RPMs. There's only there's only like a handful of guys in the majors that have that sort of spin rate on their curveball. And so he's able to get it, uh, start it in the zone and drop it hard underneath guys' bats. And it's just a, a whiff-inducing machine. Um so yeah, I, I'm pretty pumped about him. He also has a you know a pr- very projectable changeup, um, and he's shown really good control this year. He's I, I'm trying to pull up the numbers really quick, but he was something like um, here it is. Um, he's got 82 Ks for, compared to 13 walks over 52 innings, so he's striking out well over the um, K in inning and not walking any guys. So you know there's everything within the package that that um that's needed to be successful uh and i love guys that have good breaking balls that that's always a big big factor for me you have to have a good breaking ball to to get guys out in the majors so that's fantasy relevant i'm looking at his numbers here and i'm trying to figure out how i've never heard of him like at age 19 at a ball this year like you said not walking anybody and he's striking everybody 37 percent strikeout rate six percent walk rate how have i not heard of this guy the I really think it's because of the, the New York Yankees system. They have such a deep system of pitchers. Um, you know, Justice Sheffield 
um, our favorite guy, uh, Jonathan Lasagna. <laughs> Johnny Lasagna. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Albert Abreu, Domingo Acevedo, uh, Clark Schmidt, Luis Medina, who's another favorite of mine if he can ever figure out the control. Yeah. Um, their system is just so deep on the pitching side, um, and there's lots of reasons for that, but um, they've obviously figured out how to get the most out of fastballs for, for their pitchers, and all their guys seem to throw like 95-plus, and it's amazing. Um, yeah, it's just a really deep system, and I think he kind of gets lost in that system. Fantastic. I dig it. My guy is also a starter. He is in the Tigers organization. I'm going with Matt Manning. Um, I really dig this guy. And he was a guy who I grabbed in that same dynasty league last year when I saw his numbers at low A. Well, then he gets up to high A, posts a 560 ERA, and I'm thinking to myself, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> but in his age 20 season here, he is right of the ship. He's now up to uh, high A ball here. And uh, in six starts, he's got a 286 ERA with a 29% K rate and a 9% walk rate. So um, he's, he's a guy who I think projects out as a potential stud. Like this could be a really a front end guy. He has a, got a much different body uh, than DV there. Matt Manning is 6'6", 190, um, and he's only 20 That's years old. So uh, there's a ton of projection left on that. Absolutely, that's a, that's a skinny dude at six foot six. Yeah, um, I think uh, yeah, like I say, he's 20 years old, so I think he's got plenty of projection. Once he gets some of the muscle on him, um, I'm very very excited to see what he could become um, through the Tigers organization. I think we could even see him, you know, two years from now maybe. Yeah, I believe that's that's pretty accurate. Um, he's at advanced A right now, and he'll probably start next year there, and then quickly move to Double A. And once you're in Double A, you know you're only a hop, skip, and a jump from the majors, so um, he's not that far away. Uh, but I also realize that he's a, a former two-sport guy. He played basketball uh, at a competitive level, and so generally those two-sport guys take just a touch longer. You know, they have had a little bit less focus, so they're um, you know they take that extra bit of development time to get there but i think the the weight will be worth it he's got the he's got everything you need the fastball the curveball uh the change up and pretty good control so um yeah i think he's one of those guys that could really boom if he if he works out yeah he was a guy that uh we have a special rule in our league if you if one of your players in your active roster so the guy you are starting if they either hit for the cycle or get a no hitter um, like a nine full nine inning no hitter, then you can claim a guy that is not in the um, that is not in the ESPN player pool, but has signed with an MLB team. So that's a pretty interesting rule. It is, and it's it's so ridiculously arbitrary. Um, but I was able to get one. I think I got it through Will Myers' uh, cycle last year. And uh, so I'm pretty pleased with how that pick has turned out for me. No doubt, no doubt. Um, I'm pretty excited about him. I think the Tigers are too. That's uh, that's one of their front line guys for the future. All right. So our last group here, we want to talk about some uh, some guys who we think will bounce back. They're not having the best year this year, but we have faith in them. You know, as they say, prospect growth is not linear. We don't see these guys 
get start decent, then get better, then get better, then get better. Sometimes there's dips and dives. Um, so my guy here, I love Jorge Mateo. I love him. He he I, he is one of my favorite prospects, and it has bummed me out so much to see him struggling this year at AAA for the Athletics. Uh, for those of you who don't know. He is a guy who went over to the Athletics last year in the Sonny Gray trade. Uh, he is a shortstop by trade, though he's played a little bit of second base and outfield. And this is guy has got true talent, 80-grade speed. Uh, when he was 20 years old, he stole 71 bases in 96 games at A-ball. Albeit, at A-ball, you can run wild and no one will even try to stop you. But... <laughs> You don't, you don't see those numbers from anyone except like Billy Hamilton. So I think legitimately this guy could be Billy Hamilton. But last year at age 22, he showed that he might have some actual like bat to ball talent. He at uh, with the Yankees and with the A's last year, he had around 300 um, and was walking all of a sudden. He um, in his time with the Yanks uh, in. Uh, 140 play appearances with them, he had a 10% walk rate. Dipped a little bit once he went over to the athletics, but I was thinking to myself, oh my gosh, if this guy can walk as well as, you know, hit, you know, maybe 270 at the majors, if you're hitting 270 at the majors with even an 8% walk rate and you've got 80 grade speed, that is a difference maker in fantasy. That is a guy who could legitimately steal 60 bags per year. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped on Jorge Mateo, too. He was a guy that I ranked within my top 25 at the beginning of spring training um, in terms of overall prospects, and pretty much for the reason you said. Uh, he has game-changing speed. Um, you just don't see 80-grade speed very often. But uh, perhaps the more intriguing part to me uh, was he actually has some power. So like, if you compared him to Billy Hamilton, Billy Hamilton has zero power. Um Corey Mateo is like average raw power. He's a guy that might be able to hit, you know, 10 to 15 home runs. So suddenly, you know, you might have a 10 to 15 home run guy that steals 40 bases. He doesn't have to hit for a good, very good average to provide value. That's, you know, suddenly he can be a 230 guy for all I care. Um, but all of a sudden he's, you know, a, a dual category value. And so he's probably worth more than a guy like, you know, he'd be like a, um, in theory, kind of be like the opposite of like a Joey Gallo, where um, instead of home runs, he, he steals bases, but also um, can add some little bit of power too. So um, yeah, I, I was pretty high on him too. Yeah, I uh, in the preseason uh, pitcher list, we did some predictions. The staff did of uh, you know who's going to get which awards, who's going to win the divisions, etc. And for the AO Rookie of the Year, I picked Jorge Mateo. And everyone was like, what? But I thought to myself, you know, if he gets off to a hot start, he, he was batting near 300 last year at AA. I figured, start him at AAA, see what he does. If he gets off to a hot start, he could be up with the A's within, you know, the first couple months. And then who's to say where it could go from there? And he's just, he's disappointed this year. For this year, he's only hitting 236. Uh, his walk rate has tanked, but he's only walking, he's been walk, still walking about a 6% rate, but he's striking out at a 27% rate, which is a bit disappointing. Um, 
he's still stealing bases. He got 20 steals so far. Um, but he's got 20 steals and 10 caught stealing, uh, which isn't great. Um, yeah, that's not very efficient. Uh, which makes me think, okay, yeah, he's super fast, but is he, does he know how to steal bags? Um, so hopefully he can get all that worked out. But you know what? I, I'm not ready to give up on the talent. You don't see... You don't see, you know, guys come in with those tools very often. So, I am all good. Hey, oh, breaking news! Dee, 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 dee. <laughs> uh, Mookie Betts just hit for the cycle with a home run. I see he uh, that home run put the um, pulled the Red Sox within three of the of the Blue Jays. So, um, it's an eight five score right now. So there you go. Uh, Whoever owns Mookie Betts in our Dynasty League just got to another pick. There you go. Damn, oh that's exciting. God. Isn't it? it? It is kind of exciting to see who they're going to pick now. So now I'm, now I'm excited about that. All right, go ahead. Give us your uh, give us your guy that you're still confident in, even though they're having a rough time right now. Uh, my pick is Jemai Jones of the LA Angels organization. Um, he's like a guy that... He was one of the top prospects for the Angels, and he's sort of fallen down the rankings. He moved from center field uh, to second base this year because the Angels have a, uh, a bit of a logjam at center field in the organization with, you know, the best player in the world at center field uh, and Mike Trout. Plus they have um, Joe Adele, who projects as probably, he's playing center field now, but he's probably a, a corner outfielder. Uh, and they also have Brandon Marsh, who's also a center fielder, who's a top 100 prospect as well. Um, but Jemai Jones moved to second base, uh, and he went from, you know, a borderline top 50 prospect, and now I don't see him on any lists. But he's a guy that I really like. Um, he walks a lot. Um, he's got a 12.8% walk rate right now. Um, his K rate isn't too bad at 24%, uh, and his swing strike rate is a little bit below average, but not horrible at 12.2%. Um, but overall, I, I like that he can contribute across the board. So he's got power. Um, he's got 10 home runs right now. He can run. He's got 19 stolen bases with only three cost dealings. So there's there's a nice mix of power and speed, and he can also walk. So you should be able to get on base to, to get to that speed. Um, and if you can ever just tighten up his um, you know contact ability just a little bit, I think there's a nice like I don't know fourth or fifth outfielder there in fantasy league that that can contribute across the board. Um, yeah, he's a guy that I think can, can bounce back. Yeah, I think uh, I'm looking at some of the underlying numbers here. Swinging strike rate, amazingly, is completely static. Uh, so in 2017, uh, at high A, he, he had swinging strike rate was 12.2% in 191 plate appearances. In 347 plate appearances this year at high A, it was 12.2%. In 125 plate appearances at Double A right now, it is 12.2 percent. That's kind of amazing. Um, that is pretty amazing. But I mean, last year when he was at High A, he was hitting 300 with that same swinging strike rate, and his walk rate was actually lower than it is right now. So it's kind of amazing that he's not getting the results right now. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that's a great call on a guy that. Really, you like you said, he's fallen off on the prospect rankings. Um, I I haven't heard much about him as far as you know your typical um, channels would go there. So I think this is a guy 
I'm definitely going to be looking into. I hope not too many of my um, Dynasty League mates are listening to this. <laughs> Keep them in the back of your mind. Yeah, it might be a guy I look at in the off season. Uh, because our because we can only you know pick up one player per week, it is a very trade heavy league. So I might uh, I might try and make an offer on him in the off season there. All right, well, that is who we've got for our prospects. So one more time there, our redrafts. Uh, Adam had Jesus Lizardo. I had Eli Jimenez. For guys you want next year, I took Nick Senzel. Adam had Vlad Guerrero Jr. For our couple years down the line, guys, Adam had DV Garcia, and I had Matt Manning. And then uh, for our bounce backs, I want Jorge Mateo, and Adam's going to take Jemai Jones. All right, so we're just right before the one-hour mark here, so uh, no offense, Nick, but we're going to run a little long on this podcast uh, So, because I still want to run through some of these questions here. we got a lot of great questions about prospects and things like that um, that I would love to run through, and we're going to do it, darn it. So if you guys would like to have us answer your questions on the air, again, you can send those to us by email at community at pitcherlist.com or... Maybe a little bit easier even is you can tweet them directly to me at Brostowski. We'd be happy to grade your trades, offer analysis on any players you've been wondering about, or answer any other number of inquiries. So, um, Adam, I know you've had some time to look these over. You've got some great notes here. I'm very excited to hear uh, what you have to say. Um, and we're just going to go ahead and get on into it. You ready? I can't wait. Fantastic. All right, our first one is actually from a member of the Pitcher List staff, Dave German wants to know when was the biggest moment you were wrong about a prospect and how did that change the way you evaluate prospects? Well, the one that stands out to me is a guy named Rowdy Telez. Gotta love the name. Uh, but he's a, he's a first. Name. Yeah. Gotta love the name. Uh, he's a first baseman in the Blue Jays organization. Um, and back in 2016, he had a very good year at double A, which he hit 297 uh, with a 387 on base and a 530 slugging percentage. Uh, and he added 23 home runs in 500, 514 plate appearances. Uh, that was worth a very impressive 152 weighted runs created. Um, so that 152 weighted runs created actually ranked in a tide for third um, across all AA levels with a guy named Tyler O'Neill, who's pretty darn good in the um, now in the St. Louis Cardinals organization, yeah. uh, and ranked ahead of names like Cody Bellinger, Matt Chapman. Jake Bowers and more. So like some guys that have gone on to the major leagues and done some, some pretty darn good things. Um, the only two guys that were actually ahead of him were Dylan Cozens and Reese Hoskins. Uh, so Reese Hoskins was one of the, the few guys that beat him. Uh, and look what he's gone on to do. Wow. Uh, anyway, um, the personal numbers were all solid too. Uh, he had a 12.3% walk rate and a 17% uh, 17.9% key rate, which is supported by a well above average 7.8 swinging strike rate. Uh, and he did this all while being on the younger side of double I think he was 21 at the time. Um, but yeah, the scouts didn't really buy into what he was doing. And I was, this was sort of the evolution that I, that I had to realize. Um, the scouts were, were saying that he lacked bat speed. Um, and then there was a, a thing called casting in a swing. Um, and it's something that like, I didn't know the exact term for, but I could see it when I watched his swing. Um, it's essentially it's when when the right arm straightens too soon in your swing, and the idea is that uh, his hands are too far away from his body, and so it sets up 
Um, he's susceptible to stuff on the inside and higher velocity because he has that, he's setting his arm out too quick. And so if he gets, you know, caught off guard, if he doesn't set up right away to catch that, that early fastball, that hard fastball, you know, he's going to roll over on a lot of things. Anyway, uh, it resulted, um, next year in AAA, it really showed up. He really struggled to, uh, uh, a 222 batting average with just six home runs. And it was worth a, just a 73 weighted runs created. Um, he started this year off slowly too. Uh, he only um, really got going within the last couple months, but now he's up to a, a pretty solid 118 weighted runs created. Um, but the lesson I learned was there's a lot of, um, you know, you have to balance your scouting grades and, and statistical analysis. There's more than just stats to baseball. You have to trust what the scouts see too. And so, um, you know, a guy like, I thought because a guy like, Rowdy Tellez outhit Cody Bellinger that they'd be fairly comparable in terms of maybe potential future outcomes, but that's not the case. Cody Bellinger was a highly, more highly regarded player and had better mechanics in his swing, and so it led him to greater success at yeah. least right away. Um, so the idea is, you know, you have to balance the two, and that was sort of a, a lesson for me. That's a great story, um, and I think. You know, I know myself, I like to look at a lot of different stats, and I like to see what the stats are telling me, but with prospects, I think a lot of times us, you know, analytic guys or stat-heavy guys can forget that scouts are a thing for a reason. They know what they're talking about, and so when analyzing prospects, I agree, it's very, very, very important not only to look at the statistics and see what you can find yourself and what the statistics are telling you. Wow, that was a hard word to say there. <laughs> but um, but I also want to make sure that you that I'm you know whenever I'm looking at these, I'm reading what the uh, scouts are saying. If the scouts are telling me you know that this guy has you know projectable size, he's got um, good bats, good bat path, uh, good bat speed, stuff like that for hitters. And then for pitchers, I want to make sure he's got a repeatable motion, um, that he's got smooth mechanics, things like that. Um, the, those are the kind of things that I'm looking for. Um, I, I'm not sure that it, this is exactly what uh, Dave is looking for here, and I'm not sure I learned anything from it. I'd just like to share a quick story on when I was very, very wrong. Um, so, like I said, I before doing before I jumped into my dynasty league, I knew almost nothing about prospects or really dynasty leagues or anything like that. I played out of the park baseball, and I was like, "Yeah, I can, I can do this." So, like I said, I tore down my team pretty quickly, um, and so I was looking to make trades for prospects, um, and I was looking for guys that I thought would be up in around 2018, 2019, because this was back in 2016 when I was uh, making these trades. Now, one of the guys I drafted because I got him really late uh, in the draft as like a flyer um, was a guy who some people were high on and some people thought was never or he was never going to make it uh, as a real major league player because he was so volatile. Uh, it was a guy by the name of Joey Gallo. Um, so I took him real late in the draft and I, d I thought to myself, eh, it's a lottery ticket. We'll see how it goes. And honestly. I did not believe in Joey Gallo. I did not think that his kind of profile would work at the major league level. I thought he struck out too much. I thought, um, you know, sure, he's got power, but is he ever going to make enough contact to be able to even put the ball in the air? Um, and so before the 2016 season, 
um, I traded him. And I traded him for um, a Rockies pitcher by the name of Jeff Hoffman. Straight up, one for one trade, Joey Gallo for Jeff Hoffman. Now, just judging by the fact that none of you have heard of Jeff Hoffman, and everyone knows who Joey Gallo is because he hit 40 home runs in 2017 and has hit 31 so far this year, you can tell that I've easily lost this trade. Um, for those of you who don't know, Jeff Hoffman uh, was a guy who, based on what I was reading, I thought he could beat Coors Field. Uh, he's a, I believe he's a sinker ball pitcher, and I thought that that was going to be the trick. Keep the ball on the ground, it'll be all good there. Um, that was not the case. Um, he got a look in 2016 as a starter, um, and he made six starts at the major leagues with a to the tune of a 488 ERA and a, a uh, 627 FIP. Um, again, in 2017, about the same amount of success, 589 ERA there. And this year, he's only gotten one start. He's worked a little bit out of the bullpen, but he's gotten one start at the major leagues, and he has a 935 ERA. I still own Jeff Hoffman in that dynasty league, and I have no idea what to do with him. <laughs> I'm probably going to drop him soon. So what I took away from that, um, the lesson that you should have learned is to never trust Rockies pitchers. But I love John Gray. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really do too. Um, gotta love John Gray. He's a guy that I've actually been advocating for a while, but um, yeah, it's tough to invest in Rockies pitchers. Yep. There's actually a, a Rockies pitcher I really like right now, and I think if he was in any other organization, um, I'd be pretty pumped about him. His name is Peter Lambert. Uh, but yeah, he's going to the Rockies, and I, you know, I, I think you just have to avoid it at this point. And because um, even like the elite pitchers, like a guy like John Gray, who's pretty darn elite, struggles at um, within that organization. It's just tough. It's so hard. All right, we'll keep rolling here. Uh, this next question is from one of our uh, Patreon supporters from our Discord server there. Uh, Blake Lawich wants to know which prospect that you've taken a hard stance on, for good or for bad, have you been the most wrong about? This one, I think I have to go with Glaber Torres, and it wasn't so much that I, I didn't believe in him. I just didn't fully believe in the hype that he was receiving um, as a prospect. Um, so pretty much before he was traded to the New York Yankees as part of the Aroldis Chapman deal, um, you know, he, he was okay. He, uh, he he wasn't anything special in terms of, like, he was very good, but he wasn't anything special. Um, so most scouting resources had him as about a 55 hit and a 50 power grade. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, shortly after his um, trade to the Yankees, he was suddenly a 65 hit and 55 power hit player. Um, and some of that was he had a lot of success in the Arizona Fall League following the trade, I believe it was 2017. Um, or 2016, but um, um, he ended up winning the Arizona Fall League MVP that year with a 403 batting average um, as a 19-year-old. So, like, I definitely get it for sure. But he, he seemingly jumped like multiple grades in terms of hit tool and and power tools instantly. And I wasn't exactly buying it. And so there was like there were some reports that he was perhaps you know the next Carlos Correa, um, and so. I kept looking at the stats and seeing that he was not performing up to Carlos Correa standards, and I, I thought he was definitely a tear down. Um, turns out I was somewhat wrong, somewhat, somewhat 
somewhat wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. He's definitely he's definitely had a very good rookie year. Um, I believe he's hitting 274 with 18 home runs, uh, and he's been worth. He's got a 252 ISO, uh, which is pretty crazy. I didn't think he'd be able to hit for that much power. Um, and yeah, he's been worth a, a 133 uh, WRC plus. So um, he's definitely been one of the best second baseman in baseball this year at the plate. Um, not that I didn't think he would get there. I just didn't think he would be this good. Um, so, yeah, he, I, I took somewhat, a, somewhat of a hard stance and was somewhat wrong. I can respect that. Um, see, for me, I, I don't know that I have one that I've been super wrong on. And it's hard to say... It's, it's really hard to say that I'm wrong because I... I'm going to go with Anthony Alford, um, who is a an outfield prospect for the Toronto Blue Jays. And it's hard to say that I'm wrong, per se, just because you know he's having a down year, which doesn't mean that he's going to be bad, but I thought he was going to be good right now. Um, he, he was a guy that I thought was going to be good last year, and I thought by this time he would be a regular stalwart in fantasy. Um he was a guy that I was very, very hyped on. Huge tools, power and speed. I'm, he was a, he was a guy that the Blue Jays when they drafted him, um, they had some kind of special um, arrangement where he would be allowed to play football for a couple years still because he was a um, like he was getting. I think he believe he got drafted in both the NFL and MLB. Uh, he decided to go with MLB, but he played a couple years in college of football, I believe, or something along those lines. Um, and he's so he's, a, he's an uber athlete, uh, and the only thing that was missing was the hit tool. And it, I thought it was coming together. He was he was looking up, and uh, it's just kind of falling apart here recently. And again, prospect growth isn't linear. He might still be able to bring it around because he does have those great tools. I'm just not sure that. Uh, that he will, and obviously I was a I was a year too early there. Yeah, he's a guy uh, because I'm a, a fan of the of the Blue Jays. I know a fair bit about, um, but yeah, his tool case is just unbelievable. Um, Seventy raw speed and and sixty raw power is such a unique combination. Um, and it looked like last year he was starting to put together his hit tool. Um, at Double A, he had a. 12.1% walk rate and a 15.6% K rate um, and a pretty solid, just just a little bit above average, 11.3% uh, swinging strike rate. So like you could buy him as a, you know, if you looked at those numbers on the surface, it looked like a pretty darn good solid year. You could buy him as a potential viable major league baseball player, but it just hasn't worked out this year. And I think part of it is injuries. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And so between the injuries and the loss of development time from playing football, he's just missed so much time, you know, so many, so many played appearances, so many reps, um, and I think it's hurt his development. Yeah, I agree. I he's a guy I'm definitely gonna be keep my eye on still, because let's see how old is he? he's only uh, he's still 23, um, so he's definitely a guy who I think um, could still come around. Because like you said, those tools with the with the what you say 60 raw power and 70 speed you don't see those all that often that's those are elite tools and you know you can't teach things like that so 
if they if he his uh if he can stay healthy, if his hit tool can come around, he could be an impact player and a special kind of fantasy guy. For sure, for sure. All right, next one here. Um, oh gosh, I I did not write down who sent this one. I'm so sorry for whoever sent this. Um, might have been Josh. Might have been Josh Patella. We'll go with that. Um, <laughs> Fruit Loops or Captain Crunch? Asking the tough questions here. Yeah, this is the real tough question. Um, <laughs> I think I have to go with Captain Crunch. Uh, I understand the concern with Captain Crunch and like potentially roughing up your, the roof of your mouth when you when you chew. I'm not sure if that's like something you've ever experienced, but I know that's like a concern. Um, but yeah, I, I just like the crunch and I, and I think the flavor is better. And if you ever have any concern about like the roughing up of the of the mouth, um, yeah, just throw some milk on there. It's all good. Don't worry Absolutely. about it. Uh, I would definitely agree here. Uh, Fruit Loops are okay at best. Captain Crunch is uh, elite, as an elite cereal right there. Um, I'll take Captain Crunch in the first round of my cereal fantasy draft. I agree. That's a first overall selection. Absolutely. All right, so uh, Josh has another question here. Um, so he wants you to tell us a little bit about your process when you're evaluating prospects, when you're concerning like fantasy production specifically. What kind of skills are you looking at? as far as like what you are wanting to see um, when looking to see who you think might be a fantasy producer? Um, so I definitely start with the basic batting line and I'll, I'll include some like the basic things for me anyway, um, like um, weighted on base um, and weighted runs created. Like those are pretty inclusive stats that talk that also include park adjusted factors. And so it's a pretty basic pretty solid gauge uh, on the surface of, of what a player is doing. Um, and so after that, we'll, we'll use Peter Alonzo as like a current example. Um, he's a first baseman within the New York Mets organization. He's a guy I'm pretty pretty pumped about and I've been pretty high on for a little bit. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll start with like the batting line uh, and then I'll move to like the walk rate and the strikeout rate. Um, and so in this example, he's walking at an 11.8% clip at AAA and striking out at a 28.2% clip. Um, that 28.2% mark is noticeably way up from his previous stops in the minors. So I look at his swinging strike rate to determine if it's a, a swing and miss issue or not. Um, his swinging strike rate sits at a roughly average 10.6%, which is up from his 8.5% from AA, um, but not horribly. And so um, regardless, the 10.6% swinging strike rate suggests to me that his 28.2% mark won't last over a larger sample like he has the he's not being fooled terribly in AAA so um, it's not a big swing and miss issue um, next I'll take a look at his BAPIP uh, which is super important that's one of the things that when I'm projecting players I really emphasize the BAPIP because that's sort of that's what drives players um, so I, right now I see that his BAPIP is at a two, 288 289 mark sorry uh, which is a, a career low in, in the minors for Alonzo. Uh, and along with that, his grand ball rate is also a career worst. And so because in general, if a player is hitting the ball on the ground uh, and he's not very fast, obviously there's a, a pretty like low chance that he's going to be um, getting to first and, and any of his contact isn't going to be uh, getting him on base. And so I, f I feel like there's some corresponding factors there. Um 
So in general, I feel if he can cut back his, his ground balls a little bit and cut back the Ks a little bit back to a more reasonable rate uh, that's more in line with the swinging strike rate, um, I think that he, he should bounce back. Uh, and overall, that suggests to me that his AAA numbers are very much a small sample size. And sure enough, post-All-Star break, so the last 22 games, um, he's hitting 311 with a 366 on base and a 678 slugging with eight home runs. So um, there's some positive regression already showing. So, yeah. yeah. I dig that. Yeah. I know Alonzo is a guy that I was looking at. Uh, but uh, Josh, the guy who asked this question, scooped him up in our league before uh, I could get him. Do you want to make a quick correction? Our Fruit Loops or Captain Crunch question was from Blake Lawwich as well. Uh, so I we went back and found that there. Awesome. So there you go. Good question, Blake. And good question to Josh on the process one there. Um, so Josh has another one here. Uh, another heavy hitting question. Very tough one here. What is your favorite non-North American food entree or snack? It's another definitely uh, hard hitting question. I like this one. I like that we're uh, we're including food. It's another one of my favorites. Love food. Uh, <laughs> Um, I'm a big fan of um, Thai and Greek food for sure. Um, one of my favorites is a restaurant uh, here where I live. Um, it's called Royal Angkor, and they sell a, a Penang chicken, which is like a spicy, um, like curry on top of chicken. Um, and yeah, it's it's incredibly delicious. And then I also love Greek food. I love gyros. I love Greek salad. That's like one of my one of my favorite after work go tos for sure. Did you say gyro? I think I did. Gyro? Did you, it's, I can't tell if you're doing a bit. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at you or anything, but I, I'm nearly, nearly positive it's gyro. We, uh, I, I guess we're just not cultured here in Canada. I don't know. No, no one's ever corrected me, so. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> I thought you were doing a bit at first. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. I like it. But yeah, no one's no one's ever corrected me. So like, I go in there like once a week. No one's ever said anything. So that's awesome. Again, I'm not trying to like make fun of you or anything, but I was just like, wait, did you, did you say gyro? <laughs> that's so good. Oh, I love this show. Um, for me, as far as uh, non North American food. Uh, at first I was going to say, when I looked and saw this question, I was like, oh yeah, Mexican food. And then I went, oh crap, it's still North America. I was going to say for sure that's North America. Dang it. <laughs> I realized that like right afterwards. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I even typed it into the notes. I'm like, wait, no, 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 backspace, backspace. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I, I am pretty bland as far as food goes. I like, you know. I like burgers. I like, uh, you know, things like that. I'm really not that into pasta, so like most Italian foods and etc. are not my favorite. But you know what? I'm gonna basically I'm gonna take this question. I'm gonna cheat. Um, I'm going to say, um, like Irish and British style food. Um, like I love me some uh, some fish and chips. Some uh, shepherd's pie stuff like that there's a there's an irish pub here in peoria where i live called kelleher's um and it oh my gosh their shepherd's pie is so so stinking good and they have 
they have a beer of the month, so I'm there at least once a month to try out their new beer, and it's one of my favorite places. So I get, I feel like that's a little bit of a cheating answer because I feel like you're looking for something that's like non-Western culture-ish, but you know what? You said non-North American, so I technically I did do that. Good call on the shepherd's pie. That's uh, that's always like a home favorite for me. Like. Love a good shepherd's pie. Oh, so good. This is a fun one. Uh, Avery Meyer wants to know, who had the best sound slash crack off the bat from any player you've seen live? So this is actually kind of an interesting one for me. I guess not really, but um, Alex Dickerson of the – I think he's still with the San Diego Padres. He's been injured with like back injuries or whatever. Yeah. But he came up to Toronto uh, and just had like – just an unbelievable series and i was at one of the games uh and it turns out i was at the game in which he hit a um a home run into the fifth deck into at at rogers center so that's like way way up there uh there's only like a handful of guys that have ever hit one up there um supposedly it went 452 feet um and, and and i was sitting um along the it was down the first base line i was sitting down the first base line so i just like I just watched that ball right by me. Um, yeah, it was unbelievable. It was just a sound I'd never heard before. It was pretty cool. That's cool. See, I I don't have a lot of experience going to games and things like that, but for me, um, my answer may be a bit surprising as well. I'm going to go with Jason Hayward. Um, back in, this would have been, oh gosh, when it was his second season, so that would have been 2011. Um when he was still with the Bravos. Um, Because back then, he was, you know, he was one of those kind of super prospects. Like, people are saying, oh, you've never heard the the crack of the bat like Hank, or like like, uh, Jason Hayward here. Uh, And... uh, (laughs) Love the impression, by the way. Oh, I don't know who I was, who I was impersonating. (laughs) Um, Some scout, I guess. (laughs) But, um, I went to a game, and I specifically remember as a little kid, little kid i was like i was a teenager jeez um i went and i walked down towards the plate this was still at turner field then and um i was able to get fairly close to get a decent picture of him and right after i took a picture of him he hit a ball um that went way down the line but foul um and it was just a crack like i i had to like stop what i was doing and go ooh okay so yeah well it's interesting a couple unconventional guys that you wouldn't really think of as you know your prototypical like mashers or power hitters there definitely a pretty interesting question i like that one from avery i dig it all right so we got one last one here which we've sort of covered but if there's anything else that you'd like to say on the topic go on ahead alex tran wants to know how did you get involved in prospects and how did you get into dynasty um, for me, I've always been into, since I'm a big sports fan, I, I've just sort of followed the different leagues and I've always been drawn to the, the drafts of the respective leagues. So, um, you know, the NHL draft, the Major League Baseball draft, the NBA draft, the NFL draft. I, it's just something that I've always been interested in. Um, anyway, um, once I, it really kicked into gear though, once I joined a dynasty, uh, I think that's sort of the, the cliff for a lot of people. You see, you end up needing to do your research to have that competitive edge. Uh, and always stay ahead of the game. 
Um, and so, yeah, I started getting into that and that sort of drew me into baseball analytics. Uh, and that really pushed my, my understanding of the game analytically to a different level. Um, and yeah, I, I really started my, my first dynasty was actually through the old, I replied to someone's post about, uh, joining a dynasty league on the old ESPN forums. I'm not sure if that's still around. Um, but yeah, that was my first one. And then ended up finding my, what's now like what I consider my home dynasty league, um, through Roto World forums. So both my experiences have been through finding a, a, a cool looking dynasty on the forums. So yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. And we kind of covered, you know, how I got into it with, uh, for me, I found a post on, uh, Reddit that was just like, Hey, I'm starting up a free dynasty league. And me being a college student at the time was like free. That's just right. Barely in my budget. <laughs> I can almost afford that. So I went ahead and joined up and a few years later, now I'm the commissioner of the league. So weird how those things happen. It's kind of funny, eh? Isn't it? I, uh, I, had, well, I had to get that last A in there just as a Canadian. I dig it. I think when I had uh, Jeff Davis on here, a uh, fellow Canadian for you there, he also had a single A in the whole thing. Um, so proud of you guys for uh, getting the A's in there. I I restrained myself earlier, but I did notice that uh, you do pronounce it strike out, um, which is brilliant, and I love that. Can't help it. <laughs> I wouldn't want you to say it any other way, my friend. <laughs> Perfect. All right, man. Uh, that's all we've got. You got any closing thoughts for us? Um, all I can say is for, for anyone that's ever on the edge of joining a dynasty, if you're ever debating with yourself, go do it because it's, it's something that's uh, very worthwhile and it's a lot of fun. So I encourage everyone to do it. Yeah. Uh, and I just want to say th- – Go ahead. I just, I just want to say thanks for, uh, for having me. It's been, a, it's been an honor. It's been a lot of fun. This has been a fun one. Like I said, we did go a little long in this one, but you know what? It's all been re- some really great content, and with Talking Prospects, that's something we haven't been able to do, and there's, up to this point, there's really not a solid place for that in our Picture List podcast, so you know what? I'm perfectly fine with going a little long on this one. Um, I would definitely uh, echo Adam's suggestion there as far as uh, if you're looking to join a dynasty league, see if you can find a solid group of people and uh, go at it. It's so much fun to find your players, and these are players you'll have for as long as the league is around, unless you know you trade them or something. But uh, like I will now own Andrew Benintendi potentially through his entire career, so it's kind of amazing to think about that and think wow i'm gonna be able to watch this guy's whole career unfold as he's dominating in my roster all right man well like i said that's that's what we got thank you so much for coming on it's been a pleasure having you thank you very much i appreciate it and uh yeah thanks a lot all right so for for adam i am austin bristow the second and this has been on the list